What if I were to tell you that today you have a one-on-one appointment with Jesus at 5 p.m.? You look at your uh, calendar device and you see written there in perfect divine script these words, meet me at 5 p.m. at such and such a place. And the place mentioned there is the place you love to sit and uh, just look over the ocean when the weather's nice. Just to make sure you don't miss the meeting, uh, there's also a, a voicemail on your uh, cell phone. And it's a, a voice that you've never heard before with your ears, but your heart immediately recognizes it. It's Jesus. And he's confirming your meeting today at 5 p.m. Now let's let your imagination go one step further. All right, how do you imagine that you will feel during that oceanfront meeting. What do you imagine your internal reaction will be when you meet with Jesus? Well, based on what the Bible says, your reaction may not be what you expect. So would you please turn your Bible to the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 24. Uh, that's on page 749 if you're using the Bible that's in front of you. And let me just give you a little background, and I'm going to read this powerful story, this account that is just amazing in its, its powerful details. And, uh, okay, here, here's the background. On the day that Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus had an appointment. He had an appointment with two of his followers who were walking on a road leading to a town called Emmaus. And this meeting had a profound effect on these two followers. But it wasn't exactly the effect that you would expect. So this is all recorded in Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 13. On Easter Sunday, the day Jesus rose from the grave, two of his disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast, and one of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? Jesus asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Hey, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, 
He took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Then they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen and he has appeared to Simon. Then the two from Emmaus told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. So these two disciples had a meeting with Jesus. And when Jesus left their sight, they talked about what they were sensing in his presence. And they agreed the sensation could be summarized in one word. And that one word appears in verse 32 uh, in these words. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning, burning within us when he met with us? That's the word, burning. Burning? Is that good? Uh, Yes, it's good. Uh, Although burning doesn't sound pleasant, uh, we know it was enjoyable because the context clearly implies that they were reflecting on a moment that they didn't want to end. They they wanted to hold on uh, to Jesus. So what's behind this description uh, of these two disciples saying that their hearts were burning? Well, in this word, uh, these two Christ followers are describing what it feels like to meet with Jesus. Burning uh, means that during their meeting, uh, they experienced this strange and wonderful, glowing gladness of just being with Jesus. Uh, A warming welcome in the embrace of their Savior's peace and power. A spiritual heating action that melted away their worries and their fears. A thermal thrill of fulfillment, knowing that they were engaged in friendship with their Creator, and this was exactly what they were created to do. This is what this burning sensation meant to those two disciples. And you may ask, how do you know? How do you know what this burning was to them? Well, I am confident about this definition of burning for two reasons. Uh, First, I'm confident because the text and the context makes it pretty clear what these two disciples meant by this burning. But there is a second, deeper reason why I'm confident about this definition. I know what those disciples meant by this inner burning because I have experienced it. I haven't just experienced it once. I've experienced it many times in many different forms and different ways over my years as a follower of Jesus. And I am not alone. I I truly believe that every true Christ follower within the sound of my voice right now has experienced this sensation of being with Jesus at one level or one form or another. If you know Jesus as a forgiven child of God, then you know firsthand that Jesus, the risen Jesus, is still meeting with his followers who still say, my heart was burning while I met with Jesus. 
And as you mature as a Christ follower, you know what it means to meet with Jesus. And you know what it means to experience the burning joy, the warm welcome of just being in his presence. Now, some of you, I know, have never experienced this burning. And I hope that what I've said so far is building a curiosity in you. Uh, Because maybe today, maybe today is your day for your first joyful meeting with Jesus. On the other hand, some of you are saying, uh, I'm a believer, and I think I know what you're talking about with this burning sensation, but I'm a believer who hasn't been there for a very long time. Well, I'm happy to say that God is on your side, and God is eager to restore this in your life. And there is a simple way back. There's a simple way back to coming back to this experience of Jesus' presence in your life. And this is what we want to talk about today. We want to learn from this text how to meet with Jesus in a way that leads to this spiritual warmth and glow that these same disciples experienced on the way to Emmaus. But just before we learn about meeting with Jesus, uh, let me start by emphasizing that our purpose today is not to chase a feeling. Uh, We want to learn what it is to be meeting with Jesus, not meeting with a feeling. Uh, Feelings come, feelings go. uh, they, They take different forms along different seasons in our relationship with God. Never try to chase or manufacture a feeling in your relationship with God. It is counterproductive and it often leads to traps of real futility. So in this account, God is teaching us something about meeting with Jesus and how it always changes the people who meet with Jesus. Just like Jesus met with those followers on the way to Emmaus, when you meet with Jesus, your heart will be warmed and you will be changed. But it's important to remember that what God is teaching us here is teaching us to pursue the Savior and not a sensation. So what do we learn about meeting with Jesus from this Emmaus account? Well, we learn the same principle that is woven throughout the Bible, and it is this. God meets with us through his word in Scripture. In verse 32, uh, those two disciples say this. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us? They were reflecting on the fact that at the very first opportunity he could, the risen Jesus brought his followers Back to the words of Scripture about himself. Verse 27 says that Jesus taught from Moses and all the prophets. That little phrase, Moses and all the prophets, was a first century shorthand phrase referring to the entire Old Testament, starting with the first book of Moses, Genesis, and going to the last prophet, which is Malachi, the entire Old Testament. I would have loved 
to have been part of that Bible study. What a thrill it would have been to hear Jesus explain how all the details of Scripture speak directly or indirectly about himself and God's plan of forgiveness through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And I don't know how long Jesus spoke to those uh, uh, two disciples, but he could have gone on for hours, starting with Genesis chapter 3, with the first reference of the mission of the Messiah, where after Satan tempted Eve in the Garden of Eden, God promised Satan that one day a man born of a woman would come, and although Satan would wound his heel, this Savior would crush Satan's head. From there, Jesus could have gone on to every book of what we call the Old Testament and explain how it foretells of his birth from a virgin, how his, he would come with a ministry of healing, how he would, in his life, fulfill all the details of the temple's uh, religious ceremonies, how he would be betrayed with 30 pieces of silver, his death on the cross, and how he would be uh, buried and then resurrected from a rich man's tomb. He could have explained this and much, much more. But here's the most important thing to understand. If I am going to experience Jesus' presence in my everyday life, whatever I do, I must start with meeting Jesus in Scripture. I can't miss the fact that when Jesus meets his followers, Jesus meets them in the context of Scripture. First and foremost, Jesus meets with me through his word. He can be experienced as I see nature. He can be experienced in my relationships. He can guide me through the circumstances and details of my life. But before I can experience Jesus in nature and relationships and experiences of the details of my life, Jesus first must be met in his word. That's what Jesus teaches in this, uh, in this account. For instance, if I know nothing about what God has revealed about himself in Scripture... If I know nothing about Scripture, I can go to the top of a mountain and think about God and say, I want to get to know you, God, and I will leave totally ignorant of God's character and detached from his presence, even after years of sitting there on the mountain alone in God's presence, if I do not know anything about him in Scripture. But if I first come to Jesus through his word, then I can sit in the beauty of nature and have a deep experience of God's presence because I know the creator who has revealed himself in his word. If I have first come to know Jesus through his word, I can then experience his presence in my relationships. Once I have first come to know Jesus through his word, I can then experience the presence of God in the events and details of my life because I know the author of life and what he's revealed about himself. The idea that God meets with his people through his word, this is a principle that is taught throughout Scripture. For instance, when God's Old Testament people were gathered around Mount Sinai, God gave Moses there on the top of Mount Sinai a design of a portable place to meet with his people and to experience uh, God's presence. God called this place the tent of meeting or the 
tabernacle. And it was portable. So as the people moved around, uh, they could set it up and meet with God. And God gave them the exact details of this place where he would meet with them. And God communicated that this meeting place was to be like a series of concentric spaces where uh, the outermost space was the least holy and the centermost space was the most holy uh, of his presence. Uh, where you started on this outermost space and then you would pass through a curtain through a more holy place and then you would pass through another curtain to the holy of holies and God's most uh, palpable presence. Uh, And this most holy place in the center, God instructed them to put a golden box. Let me pause for a moment. Let me just say that archaeology has demonstrated that uh, there, uh, the other nations uh, of that time, ancient nations uh, following false deities, uh, they also had temples that followed a similar uh, kind of a pattern, maybe even temples that predate uh, the design that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai. But what you need to know is that by in one aspect, the design that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai was totally unique, totally different. God took this typical temple model that would have been familiar with his people and he revolutionized it in a way that would teach his people something all important about experiencing his presence and meeting with God. In all the temples of all the ancient uh, nations following their false deities, when you got to the most holy place, there in the center was always a statue in the likeness of this God. When you parted the curtain to the most holy place, there was this pitiful statue made by human hands. But when the one true God designed a meeting place for his people, in his holy of holies, when you parted the the curtain, you did not see a statue of his likeness. Instead, God instructed his people to, at the most holy place, have a gold box. And then in that gold box, God told his people to put in the box the two stone tablets that he chiseled with his own own hand. And when you parted that curtain uh, to the Holy of Holies, you stood in the presence of God in the form of his word. And through these instructions, God was saying to his people, if you want to be in my presence, if you want to see my likeness, don't you dare put a chiseled statue in that most holy place. If you want to see my likeness, you must look upon the word that I have chiseled for you. And God says the same thing to you and me. God says, if you want to follow me, Follow my word. If you want to know me, know my word. If you want to look into my face, look into my word. If you want to know my presence, know my word. And that is why when Jesus met with these two followers on the way to Emmaus, he immediately brings them to the scriptures. And their response was, were not our hearts burning within us when he opened the scriptures to us? But how? How do I meet Jesus in the Bible? Okay, first, and this is the most obvious, if I'm going to meet with Jesus in God's Word, I must read God's Word. And some of you here 
you have never really read the Bible and you need to start. I suggest you start reading the Bible in the New Testament uh, with the four eyewitness accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But many of us are already familiar with the content of the Old and the New Testaments. And if you're in this category, I have two challenges for you. First, I encourage you to find a way to expose yourself to Scripture Every day, even if it's just one verse that you write down on a card and carry with you or you get on your uh, your device so you can refer to it throughout the day. Second, I encourage you to go beyond using the Bible as a place of learning about God to allow the Bible to be a place of meeting with God. Reading the Bible in order to learn about the Bible is a good thing. I've devoted my life to it. But it is true that we need a challenge to go beyond just being a Bible reader and actually being one who meets with Jesus in Scripture. It is possible to study God's Word like a textbook. It's possible to feed on the Bible without ever really meeting with God. Uh, Now, this is a really imperfect example, but imagine a husband who loves his wife so much that he carries a 5 by 7 photo of his wife with him everywhere. Uh, When he leaves the house, he puts the photo of his wife in the passenger seat and he drives to work. When he gets to work, he puts the photo up on his desk. Uh, When he goes out for lunch, he brings the photo and puts it up on the table at the restaurant. And so far, many of the wives are saying, this is natural, this is right, Uh, this is very reasonable, every husband should do this. But then... This husband comes home to his real wife and uh, his wife says hello and the husband says hello to the photo and gives the photo a big kiss. And then when it comes to dinner time, he sits down with his real wife and in between him and his wife, he props up uh, the photo and talks to the photo throughout the meal and then goes to bed hugging that photo while his real wife is there saying, hey, Look at me. I'm here. Have a relationship with me and not the photo. Now, I think Jesus says the same thing when we listen to Scripture without listening to Him. When we spend time with Scripture without spending time with Him. Jesus says, I'm right here. Meet with me. Not just my word. And if you're a believer and you have not sensed the burning joy of Jesus' presence in a long time, maybe it's because you have been reading Scripture with no expectation of actually meeting with Jesus. Maybe you're relating to a photo of your best friend who is there saying, I'm here, meet with me. Like I said, this photo kissing husband example, it's an imperfect analogy. And uh, unfortunately, it's also an analogy that only applies to those of us who are actually making time in our lives to read the Bible. Maybe it has been a long time since you've experienced that burning joy of meeting with Jesus because it's been a long time since you've made any time for God's word in your busy schedule. You know, summertime is a time when, you know, many people like to catch up on some of their reading. I beg you in Jesus' name to put the Bible 
on your summer reading list. Jesus doesn't want you meeting with him out of guilt, okay? Don't take anything that I'm saying as a way to make you feel guilty about the fact you haven't been reading the Bible. No, I'm just reminding you that meeting with Jesus is this wonderful thing. It's an awesome privilege. It's the most awesome privilege in life that brings a glow of gladness and this warmth of true life change. So, meet with Jesus. Just take a, take a small portion of Scripture and use it as a meeting place with God. Maybe that means reading through a book of the Bible and then just stopping when you reach a, a meaningful verse. Then stop and just interact with God on that verse. Uh, maybe it's taking that verse and writing on a card or putting it on your device and referring to it on the train or in the car or at lunch or anywhere. Meet with Jesus through that scripture verse. Listen to his voice. Let him personally apply that verse to the circumstances of your life. And then after you listen to Jesus, speak to Jesus as you pray the words of that verse back to him. That's right. You know you are meeting with Jesus in Scripture when you're praying your way through the Bible and speaking God's word back to God. Uh, One of the all-time most amazing things about being a parent is helping your child learn to speak. Uh, It's a miraculous process that takes this little kid from being uh, a, you know, being that can only burp and scream and make little noises to learning one word and then two words and then eventually having a relationship where you actually can carry on a conversation. I'm no child development expert, but I know how my children learn to talk. They learn to speak to me by using the words I use to speak to them. My kids learn to talk to their father by speaking back the words they heard from their father. And not only does God want to teach me how to hear his voice, God wants to teach me how to speak his language. So use scripture as a place to meet with God by listening to his voice and then learning to speak his language by repeating the words of your heavenly father back to your father. And I'd like to end our time today with a little chance to practice this, all right? Um, We're just going to pray back one verse. It's going to be in the silence. Nobody's going to say anything out loud. This is just between you and Jesus. Uh, And this one verse is actually a prayer. It's a prayer of Jesus to the Father for his followers. That's you and me. So here's the verse. John 17, verse 26. Father, I have made you known to them... And you can even personalize it by putting your own name in there and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me, that love, Father, may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So praying back this verse doesn't mean just repeating the words uh, of the verse verbatim. It means talking to God about the theme of the verse. And in John 17, verse 26, the theme is that Jesus lives in me. That's how close of a meeting that Jesus wants to have with me. He lives in me with the purpose of teaching me to better know the Father and particularly personally know and apply the Father's love 
for me. So I pray back this uh, by saying something like this. Jesus, what do you want me to know today about the Father and his love for me? And as you listen to Jesus, a lot of times he'll bring together, he'll bring to mind other scriptures that you need to reflect on. Or maybe he'll just apply the particular struggle that you're going to right now. And he'll apply the Father's love to that struggle. For instance, Jesus defeats my worry, my worry struggle, by reminding me of the Father's loving care for me. Jesus defeats my guilt struggle by reminding me of the Father's loving forgiveness. Jesus defeats the binding fear struggles and insecurity struggles I have by giving me firsthand knowledge of the Father's love for me. So I'd like to give you a few seconds right now uh, to just meet with Jesus in this verse. This verse is all about Jesus' desire to meet with you. And so maybe at the beginning of of this reflection, you could just say, Jesus, what's it going to mean for me and you to get together and meet um, around your word? And then maybe also just listen to him about the struggle that you have right now and how he wants to apply the Father's love to your life and your struggle right now. So it's going to be quiet. You can close your eyes if you'd like. Let's pray. I mentioned that there are some here today who have never experienced uh, the presence of Jesus before. So maybe at this time, this is a chance for you to go back to the beginning. A beginning of this relationship with God starts with receiving God's forgiveness through your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross for you. So would you just, if that's your category, would you just open yourself up to that grace and receive that forgiveness as you turn to Jesus in this meeting?